The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of the This Week in History, presented by Scumbags Wrestling, and of course our friends over at CoolBet. Welcome all the Johnners listeners from across the pond over in the UK, and anywhere you get your podcast from, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're available everywhere. I want to thank you for joining us visually on YouTube and Facebook. Last week, you might have heard a little bit of jingling in the background, and that was this little guy here who now wants to actually sit on my lap. It's Frank, Uh, so he's going to do some uh, reading along with us. for those who might see his head pop up during the time here. But, uh, yeah, we are looking at this week in history, uh, the week of uh, January 14th to the 20th. We have a couple of Royal Rumble breakdowns we're going to do. We have a couple of uh, superstar spotlights uh, with legends that are going to be involved here, with one having a birthday and one, uh, unfortunately, who passed away during this uh, time that we're looking at. We got title changes, Monday Night Raw versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars to look at, a whole bunch of things. And, well, we might even be doing a special coming up in time for the Royal Rumble because there are so many Royal Rumble events happening, and we want to give them proper respect and review. So we might have a separate Royal Rumble show coming up soon, so be on the lookout for that announcement. But we can't get through any of our history and run it down without going to Niagara Falls and hopefully Jonesy has dug himself out from the blizzard from the other day and how are you sir? I sure did luckily I only had to dig one car out. Yes uh, you guys got hit uh, the Golden Horseshoe and GTA I think a lot more than uh, what London did uh, the other day. Uh, We weren't as bad for getting around and we got our streets cleared quickly but at least the army wasn't called out uh, for the GTA and Golden Horseshoe like it was when Mary Lassman was there in the mid-90s. So. Yeah, I, I'm, everyone can complain about how their city cleans up their snow. Uh, it was a truckload of snow. Uh, here, they're about like any other city. They... Some of the sidewalks still haven't been done on the main roads, uh, so it's a little hard for people to get around that don't have a vehicle that they can actually somewhat safely cross the street. Uh, I had to literally run from uh, from driveways and then run down the street and go to the next one so I could go to the, uh, the veterinarian and pick up some stuff. Well, it is part of being in Ontario or Canada, for that matter, and uh, January. So we're going to get through it. There might be more coming, obviously, because we're only on January 20th today. And there's still a lot more winter to go. Yep. It's ridiculous that I had to do that. But in the same, it's not that bad because at least I don't have to dodge landmines and stuff like that. So It's very true. But we're here to talk about wrestling history, and we we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up where we somewhat left off last week when we talked about the tenth uh, anniversary of Raw when it was a two night uh, special, and we're going to pick up with night number two in our headlines. 
All right. I'm going to continue in, in a second. Um, uh, if we remember at the end of the show, I'd like to talk just a little bit about um, the Tonga Island uh, volcano, because if you don't know, the one island that got heavily damaged is where uh, Haku, Ming, whatever you want to call him, uh, was born. So anyways, uh, I got some info on that, but we can go through that later. So enough of that daily dallying around January 4th, 19, sorry, 14th, 19 years ago, 2003, WWF presented Raw's 10th anniversary, uh, part two from Times Square in New York City for the awards portion of the show. Uh, some of the awards, uh, would you like to go through those awards? Yeah, uh, some of the awards included the Raw Diva of the Decade went to Canada's own Trish Stratus. The Don't Try This at Home Award went to Kurt Angle with his moonsault off the top of a cage. Network Difficulties Award went to Mae Young as she gave birth to a hand. Yes, folks, a uh, plastic rubber, whatever, white hand covered in goo after oh, having an affair with Mark Henry. That Go was, figure, that and was they, never explained it. they never explained it. The Raw Superstar of the Decade was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and the Raw Match of the Decade was TLC4, which featured Spike Dudley and Bubba Ray teaming together to go against Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy, the team of Chris Jericho and Christian, and Hurricane and Kane, which were the tag team champions at that event. There was also a countdown of the top 10 moments in Raw history as selected by online viewer poll. And here are your top 10. You want to do the first five? Sure. Uh, number 10 is Rock, This Is Your Life. From September 27th to 1999, of course, that was when Mick Foley got in the ring and went through the classic This Is Your Life for The Rock. Number nine was the Stone Cold Steve Austin Mock Funeral, uh, April 19th, 1999. I don't quite remember that one, but uh, I'm sure that was put on by Vince McMahon and his goons. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that was uh, involving The Rock uh, as well. Uh, uh, yes, the, that's the, it. Now I kind of remember. At that uh, time. Number, sorry, go ahead. And Austin showed up with a uh, monster truck and drove over one of Vince's cars. Yes. All right. Uh, number eight, Shane McMahon buys WCW. Who could forget that one? March 26, 2001, which, of course, was revealed on the very last episode of Nitro. And I remember watching that uh, at a buddy's house there. And, um, yeah, it was quite the event, I'll tell you. Uh, number seven was Mr. Sacco and Dr. Austin, a.k.a. Bedpan McMahon. Um, October 5th, 1999, of course, that was... Um, when Mr. McMahon was in the hospital and Dr. Austin took care of him. Uh, sixth is D-Generation X parodies The Nation of Domination, July 6, 1998. And uh, that was also a classic. Uh, of course, um, a local guy from Toronto was um, played Owen Hart in that one. Jason Sensation, yeah. And uh, I saw Jason at a... Uh, event with uh, Mick Foley doing stand-up comedy in Brantford, Ontario, uh, a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, that DX moment does not age well, considering you have uh, a couple of the uh, members of DX in blackface. 
Uh, you know, I mean, the, God, I, we go on days and days about blackface. To me, it's all in the context of how it was used. It was used in the entertainment world. It wasn't used to, and again, it was it was almost like a movie. Exactly. Show. Were, you know, it's a TV show. People. Yeah. And hey, you can't get much worse than Rowdy Rowdy Piper's black, half black, full body. So. And that apparently has been pulled from the uh, content on the WWE Network, thanks to Peacock and their standards. I can un I can understand that to a point, but uh, you know, if you really want to see it, you can find it out there. Yep. So rounding out the other uh, five, Mike Tyson and Steve Austin, Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin from January nineteenth, nineteen ninety-eight, the time when. Austin uh, flipped off Mike Tyson and a brawl nearly broke out and Vince yelling, you ruined it, you ruined it. And we found out that he would be the referee for or special enforcer at WrestleMania 14. Number four is D-Generation X declares war on WCW, April 27th, 1998. If only WCW had let them in when they went down the ramp. Who knows what would have uh, happened that night. But Bruce Pritchard got the tape back to uh, Raw in time to show what did happen during that day. Number three, The Rock challenges Hollywood Hogan to a match at WrestleMania. Uh, it was February 18th, 2002. Quite the moment. And I both of us got to see the match actually happen live at WrestleMania. Number two was Raw is Owen. The night after Owen Hart tragically passed away at, in the Kemper Arena after Over the Edge, the whole show was dedicated to the memory of Owen Hart with thoughts about Owen and storylines were basically dropped that night and talent just went out there to wrestle and have fun. And number one was Stone Cold's Beer Bath. March 22nd, 1999, Stone Cold Steve Austin came down to the ring with a beer truck had a hose, nearly took his own head off when he tried to drink it, but Vince McMahon and Shane got hosed down with beer, and Vince was even swimming or attempting to swim in the middle of the ring. I believe you are on mute. All right, then. Well, we'll just continue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, um, we're continuing, continuing with the Monday Night Wars, January 15th, 2001, uh, the edition of Raw, um, do, 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 uh, this was at the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Team Extreme, Jeff Hardy, Lita, and Matt Hardy defeated the right censor, consisting of Ivory Stevie Richards and Val Venus in a six-man tag match, and that went for six minutes. Raven defeated Tess to retain the WWF Hardcore Championship, and that was just a little over two minutes uh, on that one. Rikishi and The Undertaker defeated Kane and The Rock, uh, and that was a little over eight minutes. Almost as I almost said quarter after eight, but <laughs> um, I'm actually Raven was actually in uh, went to W was actually in WWF before they uh, WCW closed. I did not realize that. Yeah, he was there uh, for a little bit uh, before then. Uh, he didn't. Lucky him, he got way. there just before the uh, boat sank. Yeah, the invasion. He uh, was gone before that, but then joined uh, the ECW side when the alliance formed. 
Of course he did, but we really didn't get much out of that. And what about Raven? Uh, other match, uh, Hardcore Holly versus Steve Blackman ended in a no contest, and that took a whole three minutes. Uh, we had Jacqueline versus Tris Stratus ended in a no contest in a spanking match. Uh, anyways, we'll just move on. The uh, era of the Divas. Uh, hey, hey I, I like the buns of both Jacqueline and Tris Stratus. In fact, I, I think I'd walk, uh, I'd choose to walk Jacqueline down the aisle before Tris Stratus. No offense to Trish, but um, uh, another match, Kai and Tai, uh, Fanaki and Taka Minchinoku, and Taz defeated uh, Kay Quick and Too Cool uh, in a six-man tag match, and it only went four minutes. Really? Yikes. And Steve Austin and the APA, Bradshaw and Fruit defeated Christian Edge and Kurt Angle in a six-man tag match. Uh, no word of how long that went, but uh, all in all, that they really haven't changed that much over the years of their formula, even with the old, you know, WWF superstars and that, most of those matches weren't longer than three to three to four minutes. And then you got your odd match that went long. So even though it, on paper it looks like it's shitty, uh, those were good shows back then. Yeah, it was the uh, era uh, of two hours before they expanded to the needless three hours. Uh, I don't think as creative as they are, they have a lot of problem trying to fill three hours. And I think one of the things that would uh, change for that is almost doing what WCW did. When they were extended, they presented it almost as two separate shows. Mm-hmm. And you changed your uh, commentators up and stuff like that. If they wrote three different one-hour shows and strung them together maybe things would be different because you then can focus instead of trying to stretch for three hours. I think too. And I, I, I don't know if it's to give the superstars a break or exactly why they need a longer match. They need matches where whether you're doing a battle Royal or an Iron Man match, you can make it 20 minutes. You need something that is going to be a time filler that in, in to me, WCW did that pretty well because their best matches were their um, um, luchadors and all all those guys, the lightweights. They were the ones that filled in the actual wrestling time. Yeah, and that's what got you kicked off. And then the NWO guys and the older talent were carrying the story through the whole show. All right, well, I'm on Team WWF this week. Um, you are on Team WCW. What happened over on Monday Nitro? Well, over on the Monday Nitro, they were at uh, the Allen County Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, the WCW World Heavyweight Cruiserweight Championship match saw Chavo Guerrero defeat Crowbar with Daphne in six minutes and 17 seconds. So, like you said, the Cruiserweights had a little bit longer matches. And they started off the shows. Tag team uh, match saw Billy Kidman and Ray Mysterio Jr. with Tigers in their corner, defeating three count, which was Shane Helms and Shannon Moore that night, in just over three minutes. The WCW World Tag Team title match saw Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare defeat Chronic, Brian Adams, and Brian Clark in over uh, almost seven and a half minutes. Hair versus Hair match saw Conan who had Tigress in his corner, defeat Mike Awesome in five minutes. The singles match saw the cat with Miss uh, Ms. Jones defeat Bam Bam Bigelow 
in just over a minute and a half. Defeating the entrance took longer. <laughs> the entrance probably took longer because it was the cat dancing, and then Bam Bam should not be losing that quickly. The WCW United States Heavyweight Championship uh, title match saw uh, the franchise Shane Douglas defeat General Rection in three minutes. And the main event was the for the WCW World Heavyweight title, Kevin Nash defeating Scott Steiner by disqualification. Oh, the, I don't know. That poor franchise, man. Dean Douglas has to go against a guy named General Rection. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The main event in WCW look better sometimes. (laughs) The the matches did look a little bit better, I guess, uh, with the results uh, compared to Raw, uh, because Raw's had a lot of non-finishes, and this one seemed to have actual finishes. So, I don't know, probably enjoy the uh, WCW one uh, a little bit better than Raw that night, uh, with the exception of... Uh, the six-man tag main event over on Raw. Mm-hmm. All right. After, so uh, um, I guess we're summing up which show was better. Uh, personally, I would say if you're looking for names, I think Raw gave you more of their superstars than WCW did. Mind you, WCW, I, uh, more than likely their matches were probably better overall. Um, except WCW's main event usually kind of stunk. Uh, this one, oh. not too bad because at least Nash and Steiner at that time were um, decent. Steiner was still good as far as, you know, chucking people across the ring. Um, but uh, I would go with Raw on this one, just the card. Um, that's my thought. Yeah, I think we're split on this one uh, just because uh, – the no finishes really kind of take away from the matches for me. I want to see a finish, regardless. Like people should do finishes every week, or <laughs> yeah, you need to have a finish. Uh, that's just by call. Yeah. Anyways, birthdays. Birthdays. Uh, January fourteenth. It's Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, I was waiting for a hoe. Oh. <laughs> All right, he is 68, uh, January 14th. Casey uh, Catanzaro is 32. Uh, January 14th also is a happy 36th birthday to pro wrestler and mixed martial artist Matthew Frederick uh, Riddle, or simply Matt Riddle. Or is it Rydell? It's Riddle, isn't it? Riddle. Riddle, all right. Uh, January 15th, it's a happy 35th birthday to twice Shimmer Tag Team ch- uh, Champion and sh- Shimmer Champion Nicole Matthews. And uh, it's also a happy 35th birthday for Barbara uh, Jean Blanc. She's best remembered as WWE Diva Kelly Kelly. She'll be appearing in the Royal Rumble later on this month. Oh, she's the teenage gir- oh, girl. Is she or no? No. Uh, are you talking about Impact Wrestling? Uh, that's what I meant. Knockout champion, that's Mickey James. Ah, Mickey James. You know who I wouldn't be surprised shows up at uh, the Rumble for the men is um, uh, X-Pac. Yeah, I can see him. Yep. Uh, he's been cleared. Yeah, he's been cleared. He looks in pretty great shape, and he wants to do you know one last run. So what a perfect time uh, to 
and that's what I, I over the years that the rumble to me has become it's it's a great spot too and eventually we will see the undertaker in the ring again and it will be at a rumble because you don't have to do a whole hell of a lot well uh, guys like uh, kurt hennig and uh dustin rhodes got jobs uh, by doing a one-off appearance yes. at the rumble and even mvp yeah it's so. a good way to uh to give give someone that hasn't been around a while kind of a you know a shot of resurgence if yep. you will tony um where are we now we're still on birthdays yes we are so uh, also on the 15th it's a happy 52nd birthday to pro wrestler businessman shane brandon mcmahon uh also bull buchanan shares the same uh uh, birthday uh he is 54 as does tucker who is 32 now i'm not sure who this tucker is there's no last name Tucker was part of Heavy Machinery with uh, Otis. Oh, okay. Well, see, I didn't, I haven't, I didn't watch that era. That's okay. Or, or it's now, isn't it? That was Yeah, I don't watch the current product. But Sorry. he's been let go. Only watch it uh, pay per view. So I'll watch some of the pay per view. Mm-hmm. Anyways, January sixteenth. It's a happy fifty second uh, uh, birthday for Roger Bognar, aka the fake Razor Ramon. Uh, also on the sixteenth would have been the eightieth birthday to the man considered by many the greatest athlete of the twentieth century, Muhammad Ali. Um, uh, of course, Ali was at the first WrestleMania. Celebrating birthdays on the eighteenth. Ted DiBiase is 68, Batista turns 53, and Mark Briscoe, he turned 37, or turns 37, sorry. Uh, And moving on to January 19th, we see Pat Patterson um, would have celebrated his 81st. I believe he's no longer with us, correct? Yeah, last year. Yeah, those must be taken out of, of... because it doesn't say if they're alive or, or yeah. uh, dead here. So it's a little confusing. Um, we got R-Truth, um, who is 50. He was born in 1972. Um, and we got Tyler Breeze, also shares that birthday. He's 34. And Carl Anderson, 32. Right. And so uh, now we'll head over to one of their uh, birthdays uh, in a spotlight, and that's the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Yes, Theodore Marvin uh, DiBiase Sr., who was born January 18th, 1952, is an American retired a professional wrestler, manager, ordained minister, and color commentator. Uh, he is signed, he's currently still signed with the WWE, working in their Legends program. DiBiase achieved championship success in a number of wrestling promotions, holding 30 titles during his professional wrestling career. He is best recalled by mainstream audiences for his time in the World Wrestling Federation, where he wrestled as the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. He has been named as one of the greatest villains in pro wrestling history. Uh, among other accolades in the WWFE, DBLC uh, uh, was the first WWF North American heavyweight champion. Uh, and a lot of people, like I, when he first came out as the Million Dollar Man, of course, I didn't see the stuff back when he was there the first time. So a lot of people don't realize a lot of these guys, they already had their run and they came back and they had even a better run. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, 
Uh, it was kind of surprising that uh, fact because a lot of people, like you said, real. I think that Ted only showed up waving around the money and having Virgil and buying uh, pools and stuff like that. But uh, with being the North American heavyweight champion, he battled in that somewhat fictitious tournament uh, and was the uh, opponent for Pat Patterson when Pat Patterson Ooh. became the first Intercontinental Champion. Yes, it's easy to beat DiBiase when it doesn't know he's even in the tournament. Um, he is also a three-time WWF Tag Team Champion with Erwin R. Scheista. Uh, a one-time WWE 247 Champion and a winner of the 1988 King of the Ring Tournament. Uh, he purchased the WWF World Heavyweight Championship once, although recognition of this reign was withdrawn by the company. Uh, and I was reading that today on, for future weeks that uh, I didn't know that he, he was stripped of that as far as being recognized because he was recognized at two house shows as being the champion at that time. So I found that quite interesting. Uh, that will be on, I think, maybe in two weeks' time, uh, that um, uh, bit about that. DBLC also awarded himself, of course, the Million Dollar Championship, which was held by various associated wrestlers, and even Damien had it for a while, the uh, Jake the Snake Snake. DBLC headlined multiple WWF cards, including WrestleMania 4 and the first ever SummerSlam in 1988. DiBiase is a member of several professional wrestling halls of fame. He was inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame upon its inception in 1996 and headlined the uh, 2010 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, now he is a Christian minister. In 1999, he founded uh, he founded Heart of David Ministry and travels the world ministering to churches, camps, and conferences, including including Promise Keepers and Youth of the Nation. He also visited a church in Afton, New York, uh, helping many in the crowd to pray and accept Christ as their Savior. Uh, Ted is also the author of Every Man Has His Price, a part autobiography and part Christian testimony. In February of 2020, it was reported that DiBiase's ministry received more than $2.1 million in welfare funds uh, from the state of Mississippi after his son, Brett, was hired as deputy uh, administrator of the state's Department of Human Services. Uh, Brett pleaded guilty to creating fraudulent statements in what has been labeled as Mississippi's largest public embezzlement uh, case in state history. In October of 2021, a court ordered Ted DiBiase Sr. to pay $722,299 of the misappropriate funds given to his Heart of David Ministries. Which would not surprise me in a way that recently uh, fans saw Ted show up in NXT and uh, bringing back the Million Dollar Championship and being involved with the uh, LA Knight and Cameron Grimes feud and making the appearances for at least a month or two, that Vince possibly uh, even pay, helped him pay that off by him working, just like we heard about uh, Tyson owing the $3 million or whatever it was for uh, yes. fighting Vander, and, oh, look, here's a job, and here's the money to pay for your sins type deal. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Vince helped uh, Ted clear that off his uh, load and in exchange for his appearance on NXT. 
Yep. Hey, a lot of uh, people, including stars, actors, all of them do stuff to pay off bills. In yeah. fact, Monty Python did it. I believe that was last time they uh, got together and did a, uh, a reunion for, I think it was a couple weeks. Anyways, uh, they did it uh, because the one uh, Python actor um, had some money to pay on his house. So they went, we have a reason now you know, to do yeah. this. We need the money. Now, we had a big, long list of birthdays, which took up uh, two uh, slides. But in doing this, and I put it together a couple days uh, ago, I forgot one. And so we're going to put that up right now. Because on January 17th would have been the 100th birthday of Miss Betty White, who was a raw uh, guest host uh, back in uh January 10th, 2014. Uh, she uh, was born December 31st, or sorry, passed away December 31st, 2021 at the age of 99. Everybody was anticipating her uh, becoming 100, and unfortunately that didn't happen. But as you see right here, she was uh, a guest host, came out with a big show, and he asked what they're going to do tonight, and she says, I'm going to kick some ass. <laughs> And it's a uh, meme that got shown a lot, uh, especially after she passed away. And during the show, she ended up interacting with uh, Big Show, Triple H, Stephanie, uh, John Cena, Natalia, the Bella Twins, and the New Age Outlaws. And didn't want to miss this week when everybody was celebrating Betty's uh, 100th birthday posthumously and acknowledge her con contribution to the wrestling world at uh, being on Raw. Indeed. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, she she's close enough to 100. She was in her 100th year, almost completing her 100th year. So, And uh, if you take away uh, the leap year days, she made it 100. Yeah, she was. She Wow. She, that, that, that's when you know you were old when your leap years add up to like 19, 20 years. Like, holy Jesus. Yeah, because, uh, you know, she was about 17-ish days short of her 100th birthday. Would have encountered at least 24 uh, leap uh, year days. So take those off. She made it. Yep, she did. There you go. Rest in um, peace, buddy. Going through some events here. We'll fly through these. January 14th in 2017, they presented final resolution from the Impact Zone at Universal Orlando. Uh, 21 years ago in 2001, WCW presented what would become their last pay-per-view, if I remember. Uh, and that happened uh, also on January 15th. 33 years ago in 1989, WWE presented the first pay-per-view Royal Rumble in 89 from the Summit in Houston, Texas. Uh, and 16 years ago in 2006, TNA presented Final Resolution uh, from the impact zone as well. Uh, January 16th, we had a couple events uh, in uh, WCW presented sold out 2000. And 17 years ago in 2005, TNA presented final resolution. Yeah, I think WCW might have had one more pay-per-view after sin in February. But, oh, was, it greed? Uh, was it greed? Was that the greed? Yeah, I, think, I think they agreed. Uh, but Sin is uh, unfortunately remembered more for, well, I guess maybe the Human Torch thing with uh, Sting and uh, 
Vampiro, but the ill-fated, and we're going to talk about that in the next uh, set of uh, headlines at the end of the show, but the ill-fated jump from the second turnbuckle of Sid uh, and his leg going snap. Oh, that, um, was, that was great. Yeah. And as you said on here, we had uh, one Royal, uh, the very first pay-per-view uh, Royal Rumble that happened. At the introduction, we I mentioned about uh, a special involving uh, all of the Rumbles. So I think we'll break that one down a little bit more during that. But we are going to break down Royal Rumble 92 because that was 30 years ago last night. Yes, uh, one of the good ones. Uh, the winner of this Rumble feature uh, would win a WWF championship uh, on the um, car on the card itself, not featuring the Rumble. The new foundation, Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart and their fabulous baggy pants, uh, defeated the Orient Express, uh, Kato and Tanaka. Roddy Riley Piper defeated the Mountie uh, by submission to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And that was a good surprise that happened that night. Uh, and Ric Flair, of course, last eliminated Sid Justice to win the Royal Rumble match and the WWF Championship. Bulldog and the Million Dollar Man would start the Rumble. Yeah, uh, with that one, Piper uh, was a substitute for Brett, who had gotten injured earlier in the uh, uh, week and dropped the. Uh, I believe that was. Title. I believe that was because he helped uh, Owen Hart put on his baggy pants. Maybe. And he pulled something. He got a fever. Uh, that so Piper ended up stepping in and getting the title, which was one of his, I think, only championships in WWF at the time. I uh, would go on to get a tag team title with uh, Ric Flair later on, years later. But he also had a chance that night to be a double champion had he won the Rumble. And this was the very first time that the Rumble uh, had the title on the line. Subsequent years afterwards, it would be for the number one contender to go to WrestleMania. And... Uh, Bulldog drew number one. The Warlord drew number 30. And I believe that's the one where he stepped in and got clotheslined and barely ha uh, had any time in there. But it was long enough that Santino actually has shorter time uh, in comparison later on. And, of course, uh, Ric Flair was there for 60 minutes the whole time because he drew number three. Uh, you heard Bobby the Brain Heenan going, this is not fair to Flair, and panicking every time Flair got close to the, uh, being eliminated, and Gorilla nearly had to sedate him. Uh, awesome uh, commentary, and then uh, being backstage afterwards, and uh, I guess somebody had a cigarette lit, and you have Gene Orkland yelling at them as they're about to do the uh, presentation of the title. Jack Tunney hands over the belt, and, of course, Ric Flair... With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest title in the world and the greatest night of my life. And perfect saying, uh, along with Heenan, we're not the type of people who say, I told you so, but we told you so. Yes, it was an entertaining rumble. Some of the notes on that rumble uh, that followed had the winner being guaranteed, of course, a world championship match at WrestleMania. This is really where it all started for the rumbles, um, having where if you won it, you got to go against the champion at the time. It made it important. 
Yes. It was more than just, you know, because usually most, uh, most battle royals always have it where if you win, you're getting a match. So the Rumble, that's what it needed, and I got it. Uh, uh, Ric Flair lasted a full hour. Uh, Hogan is the sole loser for cheating Sid out of the win, and uh, that is one thing that, uh, you know, H Hogan in that one, I just, I never, I was never a huge fan of Hogan, uh, and that was like, what a jackass, what a jerk Hulk Hogan really was. Yeah, because... Hold he... Sid vicious out. You wonder why Sid went bad. It's because of jerks like Hulk Hogan. And you wonder why so many people turned their back on Hogan over the years. It was really all about Hogan. And, like, he... I don't understand why, logically, he helped Ric Flair win the title when Flair's the one who cost him the title to have it go up for uh, grabs in the Rumble, yet he gets tossed out and he goes after the guy who tossed him instead of getting Flair out of there and letting Sid have it and then going after him? Well, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure there's some uh, colleges. Logic. Out I'm sh hey, I'm sure there's some colleges out there that uh, uh, that um, uh, classes that take psychology and that. That would be a great thing to actually dissect is moments like that where that person at that time, Hogan, was like that, where if you wound up him, you took away his chance, he, he went after you. And that's where it's like, how was he a good guy all these years? How did Narcissist. people still cheer him? Why were we not surprised? I mean, why were we so surprised in 96 when he went down that uh, ramp and stabbed WCW in the back and joined the Outsiders? And, of course, Heenan going, I knew it. Uh, that was great. A uh, bunch of title changes. Uh, we'll start with January 14th. There's a bunch of them. Uh, 30 years ago in 1992, at a WCW Worldwide taping, Arn Anderson defeated the Z-Man to win the WCW World Television Championship. Uh, 2001, Ming defeated Terry Funk and Crowbar in a three-way match to win the WCW Hardcore title. Also in 2001, uh, the natural-born thrillers Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo defeated the Insiders, Kevin Nash and Diamond Dallas Page to win the WCW World Tag Team Belts. Uh, 2001 also saw Shane Douglas defeat General Rection in a First Blood chain match to win the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Uh, 16 years ago in 2006 in Philly, Brian Danielson defeated Homicide and Roderick Strong in a three-way match to win the FIP championship. 2007 saw Chris Sabin defeat Christopher Daniels and Jerry Lynn in a three-way match to win the NWA X Division championship. And on that same show, Christian Cage defeated Abyss and Sting in a three-way elimination match to win the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Cage would be the last NWA World Champion under the TNA banner as the NWA cut ties with TNA that summer. Moving on to the 15th, uh, 10 years ago, 2012, Primo and Epico uh, defeated Air Boom, Evan Bourne, and Kofi Kingston to win the WWE Tag Belts. Uh, on the 16th, 30 years ago in 1992 in Jackson, Florida, Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton defeated Ricky Steamboat and Dustin Rhodes to win the WCW World Tag Belts. 
Also on the 16th, uh, 2000, Oklahoma defeated Medusa to win the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. What that, a crap that is. That is a horrific moment in time. Barbecue sauce, Nitro Girls, and Ed Ferreira winning a damn title. At least the middle of that equation was good. Um, on that same show, uh, Chris Benoit defeated Sid Vicious by submission to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Arnais Anderson was the special referee. A replay that night, however, showed Sid had one of his legs under the bottom rope, meaning the belt was vacated. Well, what, you can't have a rematch? No, not in uh, 2000 in WCW. Nope. Also, January 16th, 17 years ago in 2005, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, La Resistance, uh, Rob Conway and Sullivan Grenier defeated William Regal and Jonathan Coachman. Not much better here. Substituting for Eugene, who was out with a dislocated left patella, to win the World Tag Team Championship. Uh, in 2005, Americans Most Wanted, Chris Harris and James Storm defeated Team Canada, Bobby Roode and Eric Young to win the NWA World Tag Belts. Also on January 16th, two more to go, 2005, AJ Styles defeated Chris Sabin and Petey Williams in an Ultimate X match to win the TNA X Division Championship. And 10 years ago in 2012, on Raw, Jack Swagger defeated Zack Ryder to win the WWE United States belt. All right, moving on now to a superstar spotlight. We're going to go to Mae Young. Uh, would you like to tell us about Mae Young, Sean? Yeah, sure. Uh, she was born January 14th, or sorry, died, unfortunately, January 14th, 2014. Uh, Johnny Mae Young died of natural causes in her home in Columbia. She was 90 years old. Born March 12th, 1923 in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, in high school with the help of her teacher and her brothers. She wrestled for the high school's boys wrestling team, fighting occasionally as the Queen and the Great Mae Young, but usually under her real name. Young would uh, find success all over the world, becoming NWA Florida's first women's champion in 1951 and the first NWA United States women's champion in 1968. In 1956, Young was a part of a battle royal to determine the new NWA world women's champion. The battle royal would be won by her friend and future protege, Lillian Ellison, also known as the Fabulous Moolah. In 1991, Mae Young was 68 years old and quit the wrestling business and moved into California to take care of her ailing mother. She moved in with the Fabulous Moolah and fellow women's wrestler Katie Glass in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. The arrangement lasted until Moolah's death in November of 2007. In September 1999, Young made her WWF re-debut uh, re at the ripe age of 76 when she was uh, seated with Fabulous Moolah. And Jeff Jarrett invited Moolah to the ring and smashed the guitar over her head. When May uh, tried to come to Moolah's aid, she would end up in the figure four. 
Young and Mula would become regulars in WWF programming, usually providing uh, comic relief and occasionally competing in tag team bouts. Of course, we saw her remove her bikini at the Royal Rumble 2000 to show saggy breasts. Oh, I got that picture blown up. <sighs> Sorry, I did not put this in the uh, visuals for the, uh, the <laughs> those watching this video. Um, though she was wearing uh, prosthetics at the time and quickly covered up. Uh, she received a bubble bomb off the stage and hooked up with Mark Henry and gave birth to the hand that we mentioned earlier in the show. God bless you, May. Her uh, cremated remains uh, were scattered at Greenlawn Memorial Park, the same cemetery her long-time uh, friend, Fabulous Mula, was buried. Now, as I said, uh, she debuted in 1939, retired in 2010 officially, uh, trained by Mildred Burke. Uh, the May Young Classic was created in uh, WD in 2017 to honor her. She received WD Hall of Fame in 2008, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2004. Uh, she was an NWA Women's Tag Team Champion, uh, Women's U.S. Champion, NWA Florida Women's Champion, Miss Royal Rumble winner, where she took off her top, powerbone through the table, uh, considered one of the pioneers in women's wrestling, and had a high-profile second career in the WWF beginning in 1999, along with her best friend, the Fabulous Moolah. So we lost uh, Mae Young January 14th, uh, 2014. She would have been uh, 98 uh, or 99 this year. Uh, coming up in March, but she had a long career and was willing to take whatever the boys threw at her and even yelled at them at times for trying to take it easy on her. Yeah, and uh, she kind of, in a way, she's uh, wrestling's Betty White. True. And hey, she liked animals too. She loved to show her puppies off. All right, now going on to deaths. Um, January 17, 2016, which is six years ago, Michael Sharp, best known to wrestling fans as Iron Mike Sharp. No, 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 no. I got him. I got him. No, 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 no. Uh, died in his apartment in his hometown of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. He was 64. Hamilton's greatest athlete. Uh, yes. Uh, January 18th, 19 years ago, 2003, Edward George Farhat, best known to wrestling fans as the Sheik, a.k.a. the original Sheik, died of a heart attack in Williamson, Michigan. He was 76. Farhat is credited as a pioneer of the hardcore wrestling style and is the uncle of ECW legend Sabu. Just going back a moment for uh, Mike Sharp. I uh, guess he's somewhat of a germaphobe, and uh, I know Bruce Pritchard has talked about him on uh, Something to Wrestle, where uh, he would take so many showers, and one time actually took so much long of a shower that the whole building was cleared out and locked up when he finished and had to wait till morning to leave. I wonder if he went back in the shower. You know. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, the, the OCD sometimes. Uh, I've heard stuff like that in people in cars as well, where it takes them forever to get just even around a block because, you know, they're afraid of many things. Not afraid, but I should say, um, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Paranoid of many things. 
Uh, do, 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 uh, January 18th, 19 years ago. I already did that one. So, yep. uh, January 19th, 2007, 15 years ago in 2007. I already said that too. Oh, I'm doing good. Former ECW champion, WCW tag team champion, and WrestleMania main eventer Scott Bam Bam Bigelow was found dead in his home in Houston, Florida. He was 45. Uh, if there's uh, one guy I'd love to go fishing with, it'd be him. Uh, January 20th, 1998, 24 years ago, uh, wrestling legend Bobo Brazil dies of complications due to a series of strokes. He was 74. Yeah, Bam Bam was one of my favorites, and I loved how they did his uh, initial uh, entry into the WWF with all the managers trying to get his services. Didn't realize that that actually happened a few years earlier when Savage came in. But it, I like the concept, and you could see how they got him aligned and being a uh, fan favorite in this case, turning, uh, rejecting all the managers, and the last one being Slick, having a uh, gang go after him. And that mm -hmm. set up a, his first uh, feud uh, getting into the company. So I love that sort of storyline. I wish they would replicate it a little bit more often in a way, but we're in the age of no managers. So who knows if that could ever be done probably over in AEW since they like to use managers. I, I like the use of managers if done correctly. Uh, moving on to events, January 16th, uh, 2014, TNA presented Genesis uh, from Huntsville. Uh, we had uh, um, on the 17th of January, 2010, TNA presented another Genesis from the Impact Zone in Orlando. Uh, 1998, on January 18th, 24 years ago, WWF presented the Royal Rumble 1998. Uh, do you remember who won that one? I think that was an Austin win. Oh, one, right. of his, one of his three wins. All right, and on January 19th, 1991, 31 years ago, WWF presented Aurora Rumble 91, and I believe that was a Hogan year. Yes, it was. Well, right, and um, 25 years ago on that same date, January 19th, another Royal Rumble 97, and uh, blah. I have to think too hard on that one, so. <laughs> 97, that would have been, I believe, uh, one that Austin won. Oh, that one, but Brett did, didn't he? Or was it Brett that won that one? Or who who the hell won that one? I think that was Austin because it led to uh, Sean and uh, Austin that year. No, maybe. Yeah, we're gonna break it down, anyways, on a break separate show. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh. Uh, January 29th, 19 years ago, WWE presented Royal Rumble 2003. This would be the first WWE-branded Rumble and had 15 entrants from both Raw and SmackDown. And we're going to do the breakdown to Royal Rumble 2002, uh, which was on January 20th, uh, 20 years ago. And, Sean, you can break down this one for us. Yeah, um, I'm actually listening to uh, this show uh, being talked about on uh, something to wrestle this week. Uh, we just got – I just got to the part where they're doing the uh, show, but the, Conrad and uh, Bruce talked about all the events leading up to it, including the return of Triple H uh, and 
the setup for the uh, main event with Jericho and Rock, and eventually also the uh, Vince McMahon-Rick uh, Flair match that was never supposed to be happening because Ric Flair was brought in to be just a general manager, uh, part owner of the company, and not wrestle. And he didn't have his confidence at that time, but he was getting put against Vince McMahon. So what can you do? And that one had the crimson mask and everything. But, uh, yeah, that had uh, William Regal defeating Edge for the WWF Intercontinental uh, Championship. Ric Flair defeated uh, Vince McMahon by submission in a street fight. And like I said, they uh, it's a Vince McMahon match, so it's a lot of just punch, punch, and uh, covering up with weapons and stuff like that. And I believe one of the iconic moments is Vince with his uh, face all bloodied up and coming up from the uh, floor looking into the ring, and you just see uh, the Crimson Mask. Uh, something to look back on. Maybe not your most technical match, especially with uh, Ric Flair being in there, but worth looking at. Jericho defeated The Rock to retain the WWF Undisputed Championship uh, to be able to go against the winner of the Royal Rumble, which was Triple H, who last eliminated Kurt Angle to be the uh, winner of the Royal Rumble and go on to face Chris Jericho at WrestleMania 18, a show that both Jonesy and I were at. Um, the final but I did four, not stay for that matchup. Oh, I did. Jones, uh, the final four had Triple H, Kurt Angle, Kurt Hennig, and Steve Austin in it. Uh, Maven eliminated The Undertaker with a dropkick from behind, and uh, he paid sorely with uh, a huge beating around the arena uh, for that, including going through a popcorn machine at the uh, concession stand. Rikishi drew number one, uh, Booker T drew number 30, and most eliminations was from The Undertaker and Steve Austin that night. And yeah, so that is looking back at the uh, Royal Rumble from 20 years ago tonight. Wow, 20 years ago. Uh, title changes uh, January 17th, 31 years ago in 1991. In Yokohama, Japan, Big Van Vader defeated uh, Tatsumi Fujinami to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt. Also on the 17th, 1994, later during the event, the Quebecers, uh, Jacques and Pierre, defeated the 123 Kid and Marty Jannetty to win the WWF Tag Team belts. Uh, 22 years ago in 2000 on Nitro, Jeff Jarrett was awarded by new commissioner Kevin Nash, the WCW US belt. Nash won the job from Terry Funk at the previous night's sold out. Also on the 17th, 22 years ago on Raw, which would be the same day as that Nitro, um, that was from Connecticut, Test defeated the big boss man to win the WWF hardcore belt. And uh, 2010, Terra defeated ODB 2-0 in a best-of-three falls match to win the TNA Knockouts Championship. Once again, a 2 or 3 falls match that only goes two falls. It's a surprise. I like it. Yes. Uh, and uh, on that same event, uh, Matt Morgan and Hernandez defeated the British Invasion, Brutus Magnus and Doug Williams, to win the TNA World Tag Belts. 
Moving on to the January 18th, uh, just a couple of changes. Uh, 1971, 51 years ago in New York City, Ivan Koloff defeated Bruno Sammartino to win the WWF Championship. And 22 years ago in the year 2000, at a thunder taping in Evansville, Indiana, the Mamelukes, uh, Big Vito and Johnny the Bull, defeated Crowbar and David Flair to win the WCW World Tag Belts. Uh, January 19th, 1991, Sgt. Slaughter defeated the Ultimate Warrior uh, to win the WWF Championship. And hey, say what you want about Warrior, but um, some of the guys that they put Warrior with, they were able to get decent matches out of them. And this was one of them, um, especially with the ending. It was, uh, you know, it really led to that WrestleMania 7 retirement match between a Warrior and Macho Man. One of their best matches ever, uh, Warrior and Savage, uh, in my opinion. I was going to mention that. And uh, where Savage just wound up and hit uh, Warrior with that scepter, yeah. I believe uh, things shattered, and he actually had to get pieces pulled out of his uh, melon uh, for that. And then uh, Slaughter, I think, was supposed to burn an American flag but and to fuel more into that Gulf War that was going on. And that was one of the reasons why he was given the title. Um, but they didn't want to push it too far, so he ended up just burning a Hulkamania shirt. And see, I don't know if they were doing that um, tr- um, uh, magic illusion back then, but uh, Penn and Teller do one where they burn an American flag, but they don't burn the American flag. Um, in fact, they featured that on, it was one of the... Um, I don't know if that was Law and Order show or whatever, but one of those shows, they did that same trick um, where you can kind of get away with it. That, I understand why they didn't do that. He did, uh, of course, burn the Hulk Hogan shirt. Uh, and it didn't, wasn't that a Hogan shirt that said Made in USA or something? Uh, I think so, yeah. All right. Uh, so we got um, January 19th in 1997, Shawn Michaels defeated Psycho Sid to win the WWF Championship belt. Also on the 19th, 2003, the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley defeated Lance Storm and William Real to win the World Tag Team belts. And we're almost done with the title changes. Two more to go. January 20th, 24 years ago in 1998, at a Raw's War taping, Owen Hart defeated Goldust, who was dressed as Triple H, to win the WWF European Championship. Commissioner Slaughter considered Goldust a, substi- a, sub- a, a suitable substitute for the injured Triple H, and despite his protests, this decision stood. Um, which uh, was a decent way to make uh, it uh, the belt change because Triple H was trying to pull one on everyone. And, uh, of course, Slaughter got the last laugh, as he should with that big chin. Uh, January 20th, 2002, William Regal defeated Edge to win the WWF IC belt. And 2003, 19 years ago on Raw from Providence Island, William Regal and Lance Storm defeated the Dudley Boys uh, to win the World Tag Belts. And then we have our last bit of highlights. Uh, A couple things that happened uh, during the week include on January 14th, uh, the 20th anniversary of Raw uh, in 2013, and that was from the Toyota Center in Houston, Texas. Wade Barrett defeated Randy Orton. CM Punk defeated Brodus Clay. Dana Bryan 
defeated Cody Rhodes, and John Cena defeated Dolph, Dolph Ziggler in a steel cage match. And like I said, January 14th was also the horrific breaking of Sid Vicious's leg when he stupidly took the advice of the people uh, backstage who probably never stepped foot in the ring and advised him to jump off the second turnbuckle and kick Steiner. And, well, he hit Steiner with the right foot, but the left foot was stiff and went down and... Those watching the video, you can see the photo for yourself. Those listening, you can check it out on YouTube. But a leg is not supposed to go that direction. Yeah, it's one of those that uh, is quite neat to watch. Uh, um, also, it kind of makes you almost question yourself when you're watching it, going, why am I watching this so many times? It's fascinating, but my God. Exactly. And uh, it was the boot. Thank God he was wearing that boot, because that boot is what uh, kept everything attached. Yeah, and he did have a match or two uh, years later and even showed up at a uh, Raw reunion, All-Stars, whatever they wanted to call it that uh, night. But I don't think his career was ever the same after that. His son was on uh, Big Brother. Yes. But then, you know, it, it's, ama it's amazing that Sid was able to recover enough that he can walk and he actually could get in the ring and, you know, perform enough to get uh, a paycheck. So then uh, on January 16th, 2009, WWE ended up saying goodbye to Robert Howard, also known as Hardcore Bob Holly. And uh, he was six-time WWF Hardcore Champion, three-time tag team uh, champion with different partners, including Crash, who was not actually a relation to him, and an NWA World Tag Team Champion as one half of the new Midnight Express with Bodacious Bart, Bart Gunn. He was uh, Bombastic Bob, uh, managed by Jim Cornette. And Hollywood's uh, a trainer and quite the pain-in-the-ass dick on Tough Enough uh, series, including bullying Matt Capitelli. He was. He's a, he's a freaking bully. You want to do the uh, Chris oh, Benoit? Sure can. Uh, January 16th, 2000, where did Benoit go when he just won the championship the night before? Chris, Chris Benoit was stripped of the WCW World Heavyweight Championship just one day after he had won it. Uh, Benoit's dispute with management had reached a breaking point. Over the weekend, Benoit was among seven men who confronted Bill Bush's office, demanding that Kevin Sullivan be relieved of their duties as head booker or be given their outright release. Uh, Bush stuck with Sullivan. However, to appease them, it was decided that Benoit would win the WCW world title at Sold Out. The next night on Nitro, Bush gathered Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko and formed uh, them that they were being sent home. Uh, the other three men were Conan, Billy Kidman, and Shane Douglas. Uh, backed off of their threats mostly because their past issues with the WWF would prevent them from going there after their release. Benoit found out about the meeting and decided that if uh, they were leaving, so was he. Bush tried to convince Benoit to stay, saying he would remain a WCW World Heavyweight Champion. However, Benoit did offer to drop the title at that night's Nitro, but was told by Bush to leave it with referee Nick Patrick on the way out. And the end result, we end up getting the Radicals joining WWF. 
Yeah, and uh, you know uh, Benoit had a great career in uh, WWF. I think he had a better career there than he did in WCW. Though he probably had better matches, perhaps in WCW. Yep. Uh, January 20th, 25 years ago, 1997, on Nitro, Macho Man Randy Savage returned to WCW after a three-month absence and started to uh, started the show with 20 minutes of Savage with a chair demanding justice in WCW. Uh-huh. Because, uh-huh. because uh, he got so-called blockballed, yada, yada, yada. Uh, after a while, he uh, a few wrestlers confronted him, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Savage was able to chase them away. Sting finally comes down and gives Macho uh, Sting's bat and turns his back on him. Showing trust in love, uh, Savage and Sting form a bond. But a few weeks later, he turns his back on Sting and joins the NWO because a Bischoff would only let him wrestle if he joined the NWO. And that is it for that week in wrestling. Of course, this week in wrestling history is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CapeSightSeats.com, and most importantly from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And as always, a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet. CoolBet.com and sportsbook betting and casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And of course, always a shout out to our genres listeners and everyone else who uh, listens from time to time. Thank you so much. Yeah, we thank everybody who is a part of the show. Uh, reach out to us. All our uh, socials are listed below. And of course, Twitter, Instagram, easiest to get us on uh, Facebook. Email us, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, or go over to our website, scumbagswrestling.ca. So uh, that is this week. There We took out some uh, Royal Rumble stuff, but that's going to go all into a yeah, special show. Somewhat, as you saw with the two breakdowns of 2002 and uh, 92, we're going to try and do that with almost all of them, if not all the Royal Rumbles, and uh, go from there. But next week is supposed to be loaded with them, and that's why I pulled that out. There, I believe there's like 14 that happened just in the next uh, section of uh, the week. So uh, it's easier to give them more love that way and also spend more time talking about the other things in a separate episode. So uh, thank you guys. Watch out for that. I'm hoping we'll have it recorded and uh, maybe launched in time for this year's Royal Rumble. Uh, Got some time on our hands uh, to do that. And we're going to try and honor wrestling as uh, we can. Send us your thoughts and uh, memories of the Royal Rumble, and we'll include it in our special. So until next week, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you again.